Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 141.5, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. Once again, I'm host, producer Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me here, college roommate, Dylan Trick. Dylan, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Still fantastic. So, for our listeners, uh, we did our episode 141, had a bunch of stuff to talk about. And there was so much to talk about that we did not have a chance to talk Green Bay Packers, which now is the perfect time to do so. And just want to give them a special focus because so much has happened, again, around the whole state of sports in Wisconsin, but specifically also with the Green Bay Packers and just a couple different things to talk about. Um, First, they do lose to – we're jumping right into it. We, we're not going to do a root force, all that stuff. Um, we had already done that. So in the regular episode 141, if you don't check that out, again, go to Spotify, Apple, Google, YouTube, whatever. Not the place for it. We're talking Packer football pretty much exclusively here with a little bit of the NFL mixed in as a whole. But with that in mind, Dylan, um, we're going to go start with here – Kind of starting with just the end of the season. Packers season comes to an end after a heartbreaking 24-21 loss in the NFC Divisional game against the San Francisco 49ers. Once again, it had to be San Francisco, as it seems to (laughs) pretty much always be. Mm -hmm. But before we get into everything that kind of came out of that game, I just wanted to ask you initial thoughts on the game itself. And we'll, we'll talk about the larger picture of it all, but initial thoughts on the game itself. I'm going to say the game went as far as a green Bay Packers perspective went better than I expected. (laughs) Got to be realistic going in. Um, I didn't expect them to win the game. I didn't expect it to be necessarily a close game, but the fact that, that game ended up being Green Bay's game to lose was surprising, yet also welcomed. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was such a close game through the first half. You know, what was it? Six, seven, yeah, six, seven at halftime. And then we jump out to a 21-14 lead. San Francisco responds with a field goal, so it's 21-17. And then Aaron, um, Aaron Jones has that that big run. I can't couldn't tell you from what what line or from what yardage to what yardage. It, it ends up being like a 53-yard run, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Big big play, big play, and then. It just stalls from there. It Mm -hmm. just stalls. And that's the most disappointing part, right? Like like I said, it was our game to lose. And lose it, we did. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of my thought, too. Um, Going into Saturday afternoon, I I did not have the expectation. Oh, (laughs) watching a basketball game on and... uh, Inbound pass came and 
defender poked it away and went right into the head coach's face. Um, <laughs> sorry, I know we. I know this is strictly Packers, but that was really funny. It caught uh, you know ADHD. Anyway, um, <laughs> Saturday did not expect to have expectations going into it. You know the the phrase "house money" and "borrowed time" got thrown around so much, and yeah, in the NFL, that's not necessarily the case. Like that's that's more of a fan way to look at it. And you know, all fifty three guys at twelve sixty five expected to win that game. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a formula to do it. It wasn't impossible, but it's kind of one of those. You know, you're happy to be here. It doesn't necessarily have that feeling that other seasons do. Where especially mm-hmm. the last, you know, we look at the last five years, it felt like Super Bowl or bust every single year. That wasn't right. the mantra. Like there wasn't that pressure of it going in. So to that end, it was a very welcome kind of feeling of not having that. Oh no! Like if we don't get it done tonight, it's going to be disappointing. Because, and we'll talk about this a little bit here too. But it's it was it felt like a successful season. Like yes, the loss itself. It sucks. Like that's, that's the only way to say it. It's it's disappointing mm-hmm. when you were the better team. I would say for fifty seven minutes of a game, and for the last three, you kind of got outclassed, and mm-hmm. the experience of the other team showed, and some of the issues that had been lingering all season long came out and reared their ugly head at a very yeah. inopportune time. Um, to that end, I would say, you know, after the game ends and it's, you know, I was sitting at Stadium View with my future mother and father-in-law and some good friends. Obviously, like I said, it's a lot of disappointment because the NFL, you never really know. I mean, you know how hard it is to get there. Mm-hmm. And to have been... Again, conservatively, you know, three football minutes away from potentially a, you know, of Detroit ends up being a Detroit win from a Super Bowl in a rubber match game. Mm -hmm. It's never a great feeling, especially, you know, when when Sunday happens and you're digesting the game still and it ends up being Detroit, which they beat us once we beat them once. Um yeah, it, it's a lot to take on and accept. But at the same time, it's it's kind of refreshing, too. Like I said, it's I, I've come to peace with it. I've I've gotten to acceptance. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's that's just kind of the, the initial thoughts of the game. Now. Kind of moving on, Dylan, as we kind of look at this as a whole and, you know, we're not going to go through all the X's and O's. I mean, there's. The the story by now has pretty much been told. Yeah, you know, you miss a field goal with an awful hold on it. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it looked like a clean snap, just a bad hold. And the ball was basically sideways, being held on with the backhand, not the front hand. Whole mm-hmm. lot of things to it. I, I don't necessarily blame Andrews Carlson as much for it. I know he's been trouble from 40 to 49. But this one... I'm going to give him a pass on after seeing that picture of I, I agree. Uh, the, yep. the hold. Um, you know, you're you're an offensive set away from going down. Jordan Love throws a 
very ill-timed pass on first down that didn't need to be thrown at all. That's a first-year guy or a first-year starter being a first-year starter. I mean, that's yeah. He was able to limit and minimize and almost completely eliminate a lot of those mistakes down the stretch in the games that mattered. But mm-hmm. he forced one, and it paid off, or it didn't pay off. It it reared its ugly head. Um, yep. Direct consequence. As you so, does. So to that end, yeah, like I said, the the season as a whole, you know, you can point to Mick. Yep, this is. This is disappointing, but season as a whole and the game as a whole, I'm looking at this as a very successful year. I think that's as am I. That's the best. I mean, I really, I, I would even argue it's the only way to look at it. You know, mm-hmm. on this show, we have a particular co-host of ours who, in the past, has said, you know, trophy or bust. You don't play for moral victories. You don't play to feel good. You play for a trophy, and mm-hmm. there's. There's 31 teams who fall short of that end goal. However, I think we can also say, you know, that was a maybe a mantra for three years ago. That doesn't necessarily apply to this year's team. And the two big questions that we really had coming in were, is Jordan Love the guy? And to that end, is Matt LaFleur the guy? Or was he being bailed up by Aaron Rodgers? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I think both questions have been answered. I agree. And everything else beyond that is secondary. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, there were a lot of growing pains with Jordan Love, which I'm sure some of our listeners are going to point back to me a couple months ago, saying Jordan Love might not be the guy. Even saying at the time he wasn't the guy. And saying the Packers need to strongly consider drafting a quarterback this year. Uh, very clearly I don't think that way anymore and for what it's worth I want to go very clearly on record saying that at the time it's just something you had to consider that if the season continued to trend that way that you would have to look to draft a quarterback and maximize on all the talent around you while it's cheap Mm -hmm. much like San Francisco has done with Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy and (laughs) to that end I mean like I mean, you look at what the Chiefs had done the last few years prior to this, and, you know, basically all the Super Bowl winning teams the last five, six years have almost exclusively had quarterbacks playing on a rookie deal or some sort of minimalized deal, a.k.a. Tom Brady, um, that didn't necessarily have that same impact that you know a 45 to 50 million dollar contract like most quarterbacks have now where you're paying the rest of the roster not the quarterback so it's something that i think you definitely have to consider obviously like i said i think we got our answer that jordan love is indeed the guy and i'm very happy that he is because i think he's i think he's an incredibly talented player and i think we have seen that talent come to not it's not his peak. I don't think Jordan Love has peaked yet. I agree. But we've seen what it can be in moments. We've seen glimpses of what that ceiling is. It has not been defined, but I think we've defined the floor. And the overwhelming floor is simply just 
I, I think this season, honestly, might be the floor for Jordan Love. You know, figuring it <laughs> out and say? having a rough six weeks before proving to be a guy in this league. Yeah. I mean, I would just look at the trend line over the season. I mean, the first seven games, we lost five of them. Sure. And then the last 10 games, not regular season games, we won seven of them. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of team can you say, you know, we're, you're in a rebuild, but your rebuild lasts seven games? Right. There's some organizations that are that have been in a rebuild for a decade. And our rebuild lasted seven games. Right. Too much. So, <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, you know, that some of those some of these games of that of those three games we lost in the last 10, we should have won those two. I know um, you should have won them all. You definitely should yeah. have beats. The Giants. Um, for sure. Yep. You probably should have. Beatable. Oh, sure. I was even. I for, I was even counting them. I was saying Steelers yeah. were definitely beatable. That's kind of where you kind of point to and say, "Hey, this is where this run starts." But you should have mm-hmm. beat the Giants. You definitely should have beat the Buccaneers. I mean, there's almost no reason that. I, I'm a big Baker Mayfield guy. I think he got outside mm-hmm. of Cleveland way too soon and bounced out of Carolina way too, you know, obviously without even really a fair shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rams was just a one-year get-to-the-end-of-the-season type deal. He was never going to stick there because of Matthew Stafford, but mm-hmm. he got ousted out of Cleveland and Carolina way too soon. And I, I'm a big Baker Mayfield guy, but there's no reason for him to have a perfect passer rating. That's no. not the style quarterback that he is. You know, it's just no. when when there's individual players, like, you know, we looked ahead to the, at the when the Dallas game was for the playoffs. One player for Dallas had more interceptions the Packers did as a whole team. They had more pick sixes. He had more pick sixes, which was a single season NFL record, than the Packers had the entire season. So that's where, you know, there's a very obvious um, common denominator in those three games I just talked about, which mm-hmm. will no longer be a denominator here in Green Bay. And then it's very exciting. Um, but no longer the common denominator that it was. But that was that was a lot of the defense. It wasn't. I mean, yeah, the in all it, at least in the um, the Giants game and, and the Buccaneers, yeah, you didn't outscore the team drastically. You know, it's not like you're putting up 30 points and put up enough to what you would say to win. Mm-hmm. But your offense definitely didn't lose you those games. You know, Tommy, Tommy DeVito's not beating you over the top. It's not a shootout with Tommy DeVito. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I... Uh, I look at a very successful season, um, one that I think really has an it, it has a now an interesting turn. You know, you said you have a two month rebuild, right? And the flip side of that two month rebuild is now there's a very realistic kind of almost expectation to be back in Super Bowl contention next year, mm-hmm. which is 
nothing short of you know incredible. When you look at a two month rebuild and going from we might need to draft a new quarterback to holy cow, we have our guy, we have a lot of these pieces here, and there is an you know there's NFL executives saying that they're predicting Green Bay to win the Super Bowl next year. All right. Mm-hmm. ESPN had that story come out today, which I think speaks volumes to A, Love, B, Matt LaFleur in this offense, and C, um, the expectation that the defense will not be as bad as it was this year. (laughs) So um, that's my takeaway. I I guess I'm curious on, on yours as a whole for the season. I'm I'm gonna agree with basically everything you said. Um, you know, kind of like I alluded to earlier, the the trend. Um, you know, I'm not a Fairweather fan. I was always of the mindset that this is a rebuild year. Patience is gonna be necessary, and that's that's how that was my expectations for the season. And you know, through through seven games and we were two and five, it's kind of like <sighs> rebuild year. Them a little bit, right? Figure it out. Young, young group, new, new scenarios. They're going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, okay, wow, this was unexpected. And and then you win a playoff we, game. We win a playoff game in Dallas, and we didn't just win; we embarrassed them. Absolutely. I mean, it, you watch that game. That game was a 48-16 to 16 victory. Absolutely. It wasn't a 48-32 to 32 game. Those, those, those Dallas's last 16 points were garbage time points, as far as I'm concerned. I have beat to that say team. about that. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. That's a 48-16 to 16 win against, you know, Cowboys are notorious for being absolute playoff chokers. But... Still, that Dallas team wasn't a bad team by any means. And to be honest, that Dallas game was our Super Bowl this year, in my opinion. Um, By any metric you look at, I think this season is a win, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Jordan Love threw for almost 4,200 yards. Mm Mm-hmm. 32 touchdowns for a first-year starter. That's insane. Mm-hmm. High, what do you have? The highest Q, Dallas game was his, was the highest QBR for a playoff game ever in Packer history, I believe. I don't know if it was ever history, NFL. Yeah. I don't know if it was NFL history, but I know for a fact it was Packer history. I, I mean, it's just, just a win. It's a win with expectations so low for the season. I don't see how you can be anything but ex- optimistic and excited for the future. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. You know, like I said, you know, it kind of puts you in an, in an interesting position. Like I said, you know, these NFL executives saying, yeah, Green Bay very well could be playing and potentially winning a Super Bowl next year. They have mm-hmm. a very young team um, with a financially sound-ish roster. They do have to make a couple adjustments, I believe, depending on where you look. They are somewhere between... Five million and a hundred thousand dollars over the salary cap, um, mm-hmm. which 
that's it's very doable to get underneath that. Um, if you're able to shred the David Bakhtiari contract alone, that gets you to roughly thirty six million over. Mm-hmm. By or I think it ends up being t- like twenty, but um, you start and then you if you if the only outside moves you make is shredding the Bakhtiari contract and then um, either cutting or restructuring with Aaron Jones, you're easily looking at about thirty million dollars of cap space. And are those the moves that are going to be made? We'll see. But with those two simple moves or some variation, maybe you end up restructuring Bakhtiari. He's not going to be playing on the salary cap hit he is next year here. No. He will either be gone or he will be playing here on a much cheaper deal. Same thing with Aaron Jones having a $17 million cap hit. Uh, He will either be gone, which I certainly hope isn't the case because I think there's a lot in the tank specifically for him. Um, as a 29-year-old turning 30-year-old running back, which is the quote-unquote dreaded number. But there's a lot in the tank for him. Um, we'll go through some of the, the pending free agents, a kind of gut analysis, you know, instant analysis of what you do with them. But there are going to be there's going to be room to move. And I'm not saying they bring in like a $20 million player. I don't think that's realistic. But you get a couple of... 10 to $15 million guys, if that's the route you want to go or you draft particularly well, which coming up here, we're going to start having mock draft season, uh, which is mm-hmm. nothing short of exciting. Um, I have been getting mine going. Shauna filled one out. Justin's been at him nonstop. Uh, I sent you a link to do one. I am still waiting on the results of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, definitely a very successful season. And honestly, I'll, I'll just I'll say it right now. We talked about this in episode 141, not the point five. You never usually want to root for somebody to lose their job. It's it's not in good taste. However, however, uh, there was one young individual who may or may not have affiliation with this podcast who may have had a uh, a good number of Miller Lights on, on Saturday night and was interviewed uh, by a TV station in Green Bay who, mm-hmm. when asked about off-season plans, had this to say. Fire Joe Barry ASAP. That's number one. Maybe a new kicker. Fire Joe Barry ASAP was what that individual may or may not have had to say um, on a local TV station. A Mm -hmm. statement by which I would believe that that individual would stand by and has come to fruition as the Packers have officially as of uh recording here made that move they have decided to move on from joe barry as defensive coordinator he may or may not have some sort of role within the organization that's yet to be seen um packers also have moved on from their strength coordinator 
uh, Chris Guzzi, who perhaps most known for leading the Packers out of the tunnel with the American flag after 9-11. The belief is that the Packers strength and conditioning room is several years behind the rest of the NFL, which we have seen with an abundance of soft tissue injuries to the point where Eric Stokes and Christian Watson are going to be spending time with uh, the UW Health System uh, specialist as to avoiding soft tissue injuries, specifically their hamstrings. Uh, I believe Aaron mm-hmm. Jones also going to be part of that program as well. So definitely things kind of on the on the rise up to that end. And the Packers are in a position now where I think they have to nail this this selection as to who they end up going with as the D coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a lot of names being thrown around, and you know, necessarily we don't necessarily have to go on a deep dive <clears throat> for them tonight. Uh, obviously, Justin's favorite is. I'm not even sure if he's serious on this, but he keeps saying Ron Rivera. Um, I'm not going to give that the time of day right now because I don't foresee it happening. Yeah, that is the first time I've heard that name thrown out here so far. It's really exclusively Justin. It is just Justin. I want to be very clear, Uh, Packer fans. That is a Justin-only suggestion. But Makes sense now. There are a number of names out there that are kind of floating around here early on. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we got to start with the person who was supposedly the favorite in the clubhouse the last time when they actually ended up hiring Joe Barry. And that was former Badger defensive coordinator Jim Leonard. Um, that is... Certainly a topic for a different conversation or a conversation to have a different time. But he's definitely a name that's kind of been thrown around out there. Mm-hmm. Um, another former Packer name that a lot of fans would know. Defensive backs coach from the Dallas Cowboys. One, Al Harris. I think he's going to be tough to pull away from Dallas. I'm curious why you think that because I think it would be it would be not that would be the case. The only reason I'm going to say that he's going to be tough to pull away from Dallas is about two reasons. One, I'm going to go on a limb and say Dallas is going to be willing to pay him enough to stay. Sure. Perhaps not put him in a defensive coordinator role. But I think Al Harris would definitely be one to give Dallas a chance to match. And then just the fact that him and Mike McCarthy do have a relationship as far as player coach and now as coach coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it is likely. I shouldn't say likely. I think it's likely that he's going to consider the job if it's offered to him. 
Sure. I just think he's going to be a little bit tougher to pull away. And I, you know, and he, he, maybe we hire him next week. I don't know. I could look, we could look back on this and then next week we have to say, you know, Dylan, you made a dum dum. So <laughs> that's just my initial opinion on the Al Harris. Oh, don't get me wrong though. I'd love to see it. You know, I, he has a lot of respect in in the Green Bay community and the Green Bay organization. So I don't think it wouldn't be a bad hire by any means. I just think he's gonna be tough to pull away from Dallas. Yeah, I think it's a fair uh talking point. I know that some of the initial reports here on what the Packers are leaning towards doing is that they fully that they intend to consider people who have significance in the passing room to really bolster their secondary and kind of put the focus mm-hmm. on the secondary and just let the pass rush play downhill and get after the quarterback. Uh, right. To that end, a defensive backs coach in Al Harris does make a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I would also go as far to say that I think Jim Leonard potentially could make a lot of sense in that mm-hmm. type of situation um, as a, another, as a defense, as a defensive back himself. Uh, we saw it at Wisconsin he played a lot downhill. He did have a lot of blitz schemes. So, and let the, mm-hmm. you know, let the DBs make plays. So a couple other names to kind of keep your eyes out for. Um, back when Joe Barry was hired, it was Ijiro Avero, Chris Harris, Ryan Nielsen, Chris Kiffin, Matt Burke, Bob Sutton, and Jerry Gray. Um, Nielsen, very unlikely as he was just hired by the Jaguars as a D coordinator and Ajero Avero, who was the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator had just interviewed for, has been interviewing for head coaching jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. Now worth mentioning, one of those head coaching jobs did have the first domino fall of the big names. And that is coach Jim Harbaugh is going to take over Mm -hmm. the Los Angeles chargers. Um, I don't know if Averro had interviewed for them or not. Uh, there are a couple other bigger name defensive coordinators technically still on the market. One being Wink Martindale from the Giants, who I do not think is a great fit here, and I hope this does not end up being the fit. Very good defensive coordinator, but very kind of forceful of his scheme versus playing to what you have. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the the way to go here. Um, another name that became available today, but it may already may already be uh, locked up is Vic Fangio, who ironically, and where this kind of makes sense is, was part of the reason the Packers picked Joe Barry because Joe Barry was running a stylation of the Fangio defense in Los Angeles under coach Bryn Staley. Um, Fangio already reportedly getting looks and expected to be part of the Carolina, or excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles staff. So likely not going to be the option here for the Packers either. But this obviously very fast moving. This is a very early analysis. He was just fired today. So they probably have just kind of started that process of even putting names on the chalkboard mm-hmm. as to who they would want. Um, I, I would imagine, like I said, I'm sure Jim Leonard's probably going to get a call. I'm sure Al Harris is probably going to get a call and then we'll work from there. Mm-hmm. Here's a name 
that has just been recently starting to get thrown around. Obviously, everything's been recently thrown around, so that sounds kind of stupid, but Mike Vrabel. So this is a name that Sean loves. Mm-hmm. And a name that if it were to be an option, I would love to have. However, however, I don't foresee it happening because I don't foresee Mike Vrabel wanting to be a defensive coordinator for more than a season max. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the interesting interesting part of of this whole thing is and we can kind of look at this as Matt LaFleur has to get this right. And he probably has a 2 to 3 year window for this to work out and be right. Mhm. But the first element of it is that this will be his third defensive coordinator. Now he did inherit Mike Pettin. And as much of a bum as I thought Mike Pettin was as a defensive coordinator here, kind of a lot of the same Joe Barry problems. It was a, another retread guy who just didn't translate as well as it would have wanted to. There were opportunistic mm-hmm. at times, but um, it just it didn't line up to what you need. I will say Mike Patton did serve a purpose in the sense that I think he was a great person for Matt LaFleur as a first-time head coach to lean on, as Patton had been mm-hmm. a previous head coach in the NFL uh, with the Browns. So I think there was value there. So to that end and and everything that kind of goes in with that, Vrabel doesn't come off, like I said, to me as a guy who would want to coach on a potential one-year deal. And and I, if you're Matt LaFleur, I don't think you want to be in an interview process where, let's just say, for whatever reason, if Vrabel doesn't get a head coaching job this offseason, which I can't foresee him not. I think he was ousted incredibly weirdly by Tennessee after essentially one bad half season, which mm-hmm. they were kind of in a rebuild the way it was. Um, because of a, a really bad owner. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to that end, I, I very much would foresee Vrabel likely getting a head coaching job with these that are open. If for whatever reason he wouldn't, I feel like he'd be in the cycle next year then, right? Because he's not going to probably take, you know, two years off of being a head coach. He might take one. And then the Packers are right back in this spot looking for another defensive coordinator. Um, Mm -hmm. The only caveat to that is that if, for whatever reason, if the Packers front office, Brian Gutekunst specifically, were to not believe in Matt LaFleur, which I think Matt LaFleur Mm -hmm. has now earned the benefit of the doubt. And if we're having this conversation in October, maybe it's a little bit different. But... Because Matt LaFleur has kind of proven his worth as a head coach, I don't think you're looking at it as a guy that you hire for as a defensive coordinator for a year, then move him to head coach either. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't think we're, I don't think we're at that point either. So that's why, as good as Mike Vrabel is, 
as you know, you know, we look at Matt LaFleur and his blind loyalty to Joe Barry, A, to not want to make a change in the middle of a season, and B, there is there, you know, there was a degree of hey, this is a guy that I'm very fond of and have a lot of connection to. That's kind of the same thing with Vrabel, as he does have a one, you know, he does have that connection as Matt LaFleur was an offensive coordinator underneath him in Tennessee for a year. I, I don't foresee that being the situation unless, you know, outside of some unheard of, like, handshake agreement that Vrabel wouldn't jump to being a head coach again. And maybe maybe he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, some guys just, you know, they, they thrive at it for a little while. But, you know, maybe it's not what they want to be and what they want to do. I I don't really foresee Vrabel being that guy. I think he was a damn good head coach. But if you would if you would have some sort of informal handshake agreement that that would be the case, then maybe it's a name to look at. But I can see the floor giving him a call if he doesn't get a head coaching gig. Yeah, no, right. I I think Matt will give him a call and just say, hey, how's the you know how's the head coach searching going? If you know if it's not working out, do you want to be a D coordinator? But I, I do think it's fundamentally right. flawed for that reason, and I, I don't foresee it being a a great move to do for a year. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to have Brable bring, you know, his protege, which even then you'd think that if he goes and gets a head coach job, he would want to have him as a defensive coordinator. Right. So I, I, you know, I just don't foresee a situation in in which it makes sense aside from again if he doesn't get the job and they're good buddies and he wants to bring them in for a year so he's not you know it's not like a money is a problem for him but so he's not collecting unemployment for a year then Mm -hmm. yeah sure you know maybe maybe that is a phone call but i just i I don't even see it happening i think he's going to get a head coaching job here in the next couple weeks now that the harbaugh domino fell right one would think, but you never know. You never know. I, I honestly, though, I for my money, I, I really think it'll be um, Leonard or Harris. I know Justin is very anti-Jim Leonard, calling him a fraud and stuff because of how bad the Badgers would get outclassed by uh, Ohio State once a year. I personally... <laughs> think that Jim Leonard would have never had the talent that he will have at his disposal and the fundamentals of his scheme playing so aggressively playing downhill and letting the secondary go to work would translate very probably better to the NFL game than it did in college and he was a top college defensive coordinator mm-hmm. my opinion you know that's I, I could be very that's wrong right that's exactly what we do um with that in mind, Dylan, just a couple pieces here as we look towards the future of the Packers going into next year is, again, potentially a Super Bowl winning team. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to go through this quick list. So, as mentioned, I, I just want to ask your gut reaction if you think the Packers will keep or move on on these several players. So, we're going to go through a list. Okay. I have a list of free agents and then also a couple of years of or a couple guys who very well could be restructured. We'll start with agent 69 himself. 
uh, David Bakhtiari. What is your expectation as of right now? I think, like you alluded to earlier, they're either going to reschedule, I'm sorry, renegotiate a cheaper contract with him because they're paying him a whole lot of money to do a whole lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. So they're either going to get him under a new cheaper contract or I think they're just going to cut him. Which for, disappoints me because I do like him. I like him a lot as a person. Um, it is worth noting that unlike a lot of NFL contracts, he does not have a savings, whether it be pre or post June 1st. Um, so you'll still have the same $20 million of dead cap, but it's still cheaper than what you would be paying him to be here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something very much working out as of right now. Obviously, restructure doesn't have to be exclusive with how a, uh, you know, if there's a trade, a restructure could um, be part of that as well. But I'm going to ask you straight up, is he here next year or is he not? I think he's going to be here. Okay. I'm in the camp that he won't. Uh, even if that comes down to him retiring, I just, he's a damn good mm-hmm. player, but that knee is gone through some shit. Right. So I'm going to say he won't. Uh, Aaron Jones. He'll be here. I would agree with that. Uh, Preston Smith. He'll be here. The big one that you were concerned about today, Jair Alexander, which this is strictly because of an Instagram post. Um, he's under contract for, I believe, three or four more years yet. But the Packers, there was a leaked report around the suspension that the Packers may move on from him due to a roster bonus that if he stays. And I, I honestly, like I said, I think he, you know, he makes a seemingly a farewell Instagram post, but I, I think it's trolling personally. I, I think he'll be here. I do too. I, I fully expect that to be the case. I, especially with this emphasis potentially on to be a passing based defensive coordinator, passing game based defensive coordinator. I, uh, I don't see Jair missing out on that. Um, but like I said, just a very funny way to get Packer nation all riled up. So, (laughs) right. So those are the guys who are currently under contract who kind of have question marks by their name. Uh, with that, we go to the unrestricted free agent list. And these guys are all guys that will be free agents that the Packers would have to bring in on a brand new contract. Uh, we'll start with guard John Runyon Jr. I think they will bring him back. I would agree. I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Cornerback and return man Keyshawn Nixon. I think they'll bring him back. For prediction's sake, I, I'm going to say that they will as well. I think he's he's a very interesting case. I could very much see them you know, letting him walk because I think he'll want more money. But I think some of his defensive flaws have been issued. And uh, this, the return game is really his biggest use. So um, right. I, I'll be That's intrigued. I think they'll keep him just for that reason alone. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of good reason to bring him back. I'm just, I don't know if they'll necessarily pay him what he thinks he's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, next, Mr. Simone Biles, Jonathan Owens. Yeah, I think they'll bring him back. 
for what it's worth, I I am I'm agreeing with you on this one as well. I think the contract will he'll be cheap, right? And he loves being here. Yeah. His wife loves being here. Yep. I think I think you'll get him on a fairly friendly deal. You know, no one's out there leaving money on the table, but I think I think he'll get a decent a decent role here because it's it's not like he's going to go somewhere and be a starter. He's not. He didn't prove himself that much this year. Right. Um, if he leaves, you know, I'm not going to say no hard feelings because I mean there won't be. But I, I, you know, I don't think there's. I don't think he's played himself out of Green Bay either. No, there's no reason for them to not bring him back. Especially depending on what they do as a, with the coordinator spot too. Again, if you're going to go heavy secondary base, this is a guy who has pretty good NFL experience as a secondary. Again, you want him to be a backup. You don't want him to be a starter. I think that's mm-hmm. a big piece of this. But um, moving on, uh, safety Rudy Ford. Him, I don't know. Him, I'm going to say he's gone. My gut says yeah, but I also say I don't know. So. All right. Darnell Savage. I think he'll stay. I shouldn't say he'll stay. I think they'll keep him. I, I'm very intrigued by him as well. Kind of the same reasons as Keyshawn Nixon. Yeah, um, he's a tougher one. He is a guy who that if they moved on from because he wants more money to play elsewhere, I won't blame him. Yeah. I, you know, I think he'll I think he might get overpaid somewhere else and you kind of let him walk, you let him test it out. But if you make it work, and again, that defensive coordinator I think is gonna have a lot of of impact on this, but as it sits right now without knowing who that's going to be, I think he walks. For the sheer reason mm-hmm. I think he's gonna try to go get his his contract somewhere else, which that's his right to do. And I, I, I am never going to shit on a guy for tra- trying to get the bag. Nope, never. I'm going to skip this next one. Cause I'm going to make this the last of this category. Um, Corey Ballantyne, also another secondary member. Um, I think they'll keep him. I am also in that same camp, but this is kind of one of those where I think more like Jonathan Owens. I don't think he's going to have a huge market after him. I think it'll make more sense for him to come somewhere safe. Again, especially mm-hmm. because of the, the belief. If the report is that they're going to go heavy on a, a secondary, you're going to need bodies. Right. And he was a very serviceable backup cornerback. Um, mm-hmm. Switching sides of the ball here, offensive tackle Yash Neishman. I think he is gone. Yeah, I can see him being one of the ones they replace. I think he has proved his worth as a capable player who is going to get a better contract elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, tight end Josiah Guara. I can see them moving on from him just because of our um, two-headed attack here with Kraft and Musgrave. But I can see them holding on to him for a relatively decent 
third option in case one of those two get hurt or something. I think I'm going to say he moves on for, again, kind of that same, I think he might get paid somewhere to go somewhere else that's more beneficial to him. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think he does fit a role in scheme that we don't really have on the team. He's kind of mm-hmm. like that fullback, H-back. But the Packers don't really use that either. And depending on what they do in the draft, I think they could draft another running back. You know, we've had it in our group chat uh, a lot of running back names being thrown around that can probably do both. They also do have mm-hmm. Ben Sims as right. a third option, um, which I think, you know, he's kind of surpassed Josiah DeGuara. Um, the only caveat I will say to this is that Depending on what Rich Passaccia really thinks of his special team value as a personal protector and an upback in the punt and as a tackler in special teams, I think this one will, you know, that'll depend on, you know, Passaccia, they went out and got guys to play special teams for the first time. So mm-hmm. he's one of those that I think will depend on that. But if I'm saying today, I think he's gone. Uh, next, okay. we have linebacker and multiple-time game captain of the special teams unit, Eric Wilson, who probably made his two biggest impacts of the season, A, being the team captain, when Jair also was the team captain for that game, um, where we kind of, hey, that's Eric Wilson, who is mm-hmm. not Jair Alexander. And then also, in the playoff game against the Niners, uh, recovered the fumble by Keyshawn Nixon. That mm-hmm. stopped the hearts of Packer Nation for about five seconds. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say I he think, stays because of that special team. Yeah, is I everything I just said about Josiah DeGuara possibly staying, I think Eric Wilson 100% stays because of that. I concur. All right. Uh, this name I don't even know, so I'm going to say he probably walks, but linebacker Kristen Welch. Christian Welch? Yeah. I, I guess I can't. I haven't heard that name either. So yeah, I'll say so. Walk. Flip a coin. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the last or the second to last name because I did skip one is one that I'm going to say just right now is a walk. That God, I hope ever I cross every part of my body that he is not here next year because I think he's useless to this team. Uh, but that is tight end Tyler Davis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't like him very much. I, I do not. I think he is. I, I don't hate him. I just think he's useless. And I think he's not very good. And I think because of the emergence of Ben Sims and then the growth of Tucker Craft and um, Luke Musgrave, for that matter, I think he is now completely irrelevant. And that makes me happier than beyond belief. I'm not going to say it makes me happy, but I do agree with what you said about you know, our current tight end roster. So I think he's gone. All right, Dylan. Now this is the hardest one of this group of the unrestricted free agents. The hardest one saved it for last. The streaming master himself, the farmer, the quadzilla, Hmm. the quad father, AJ Dylan. That one, I don't know. Um, 
obviously he had a, a, a down season this year. Relative to the prior season. Sure. I am going to say... Gosh, I don't even know. Is this really going to depend on what they want to do, what Green Bay wants to do in the draft? Are they going to spend a high or mid-draft pick on a running back? If they're going to do that, I can see them moving on from Dylan. Dylan's not going to walk. I think he truly enjoys being in Green Bay, and I, I think Green Bay enjoys him being in Green Bay. Yeah. But I just don't think he's turning into the running back that we thought he was going to. So I can see them. I can see Green Bay organization making the decision to move on from him. But I don't see him walking intentionally. Yeah, that's kind of my my takeaway as well is I think Green Bay is going to make that decision for him i don't think it's gonna be because mm-hmm. i honestly i think he would stay here for like a vet minimum like he's gonna get paid more than a vet minimum even if it's here mm-hmm. but i think he is so in, enamored with this organization with this city it's where his wife is from you know door county the mayor of door county etc that i could see him taking next to nothing to stay here because I don't, you know, between him and, you know, his his wife's ventures, I don't think money is really a huge thing for him. Um, I will say that I think the Packers draft, just kind of go on what you were saying. I think draft-wise, the Packers are more likely to draft a a hybrid of him and Jones or a direct replacement mm-hmm. of Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of go with Jones on a one-year deal, basically. You know, if they restructure, keep you know keep Dylan around for two to three, and then draft somebody to kind of be both and, re- you know, eventually kind of replace them both or one. Um, you need multiple backs in this league. Matt LaFleur said it himself. And uh, I, I think Packer Nation just wants him to stay. I think, you know, for all the negative talk about him, the negatives really come out when he's forced to be RB1. When he's allowed to be mm-hmm. kind of in that backup secondary role and more of the Thunder com- like a combination back, he thrives. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's going to be more telling. Um, I could be dead wrong. You know, his agent has different, uh, you know, motivation than he does probably personally. Yeah. His agent's trying to get him paid as much as possible and get himself in turn paid as much as possible. So we will see, but my belief would be that he likely ends up. I'm gonna say he stays. I I don't you know if I'm putting money on that I don't love it, but I'm gonna say he stays. I think so too. I'm not re- again not real confident, but that's the one I'm going with. Um, looking at the restricted free agents, so this is the guys who that if the another team uh, puts an offer on them, the Packers at least have an opportunity to match. And kind of not like the, you know, like an AJ Dillon could potentially get, he'll give the Packers a chance to match, but um, these these are like mandated that they have to match. Uh, Patrick Taylor, I think will be gone. Yeah, I think so too. And cornerback Robert Rochelle, 
I I think will probably be gone as well. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't I don't even remember hearing his name. So he was a big special teams guy, which to that end, maybe he does stay because if he's got yeah, that restricted maybe. status. But um, three more guys here, Dylan. Then we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, punter Daniel Whelan, I think, stays. He's exclusive rights to the Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, running back Emmanuel Wilson. I think he'll be around for camp, but I think he'll be a camp cut. I don't think he'll be a. Yeah, yeah. I, running backs are really going to depend on what they do in the draft. And then I last think. is uh, offensive tackle Caleb Jones, who I think was inactive for most of the season, although on the fifty-three man. So I think he'll look for other opportunities, and then he might be back cheap. But I would count on him to yeah. look. Mm-hmm. All right, so that yeah. is our deep-ish dive on the Packers for episode one forty-one and a half. Uh, we will obviously have more as the Packers do hire their defensive coordinator and kind of continue to move on through the offseason with mock drafts, free agent previews, stuff like that. But that is our Packer recap. I don't think it's a, a, a leap to say that Jordan Love team MVP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll probably get the rest of the squad here or as many as we can for kind of going through some superlatives as to rookie of the year etc but uh that's a wrap for our packer season ending special for shauna sean justin rams you aren't here i'm eric that's dylan episode 141.5 is out see ya see ya